Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas with Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me. I had someone ask me a question. The question is, am I to forgive someone who is not asking? I'm going to share with you the full context of the question that they asked, but that is it in the most succinct fashion. And so what we have here is is a person sinning against someone else. The person who is sinning is not going to ask for forgiveness. Uh, They're trying to manipulate around it, trying to ignore what they are doing to uh, the offended person. And the offended person is saying, can I forgive them? Am I supposed to forgive them? I mean, they're not asking for it. What am I to do? And so I want to work through that question here. I'll give you the context in just a moment. But I do want to let you know that if you have a question for our ministry, you're welcome to ask, maybe like what we have here. And if it has a universal application, like what we have here, this applies to all of us, uh, then I would love to consider doing a podcast, maybe writing an article, producing a video for you. All you have to do is go to lifeovercoffee.com, and if you go down to the bottom to the website of the website on the footer, you will see a, a link that says Get In Touch, and again, it's on every page of the website. And if you click on that link, get in touch with us, then you can ask your question. By the way, you can write it out, or we do have a feature where you can just record your question on audio, and you're welcome to do that too. But let us know how we can serve you. And again, if you have something that really applies to uh, basically all of us, like what I'm about to share with you, I would love to hear from you, and I would love to consider answering your question, because that is what we do at Life Over Call. That is our street address. That's where our coffee shop is. We believe that any two people can come together and do life over coffee. And what we want to do is to assist in that process. And that's why we create resources that spark conversation uh, for transformation. And I trust what I'm going to share with you here uh, will spark a conversation with some of your friends, perhaps leading to transformation. And so the title of what I'm sharing with you is, Am I to Forgive Someone Who Is Not Asking? What we have here is a transgressor, and the transgressor is ignoring what they are doing, and it has flummoxed the person that they're sinning against. The person that they're sinning against is now wondering, should I forgive them? I mean, is that my responsibility now? even though they're not asking. And so let me share with you the full context of of what they ask me. We'll call him Biff in this illustration. And so Biff asked, as a believer, does God's word require me to forgive a relative of mine time after time? And so what we have here is a repeat offender. His relative just keeps sinning against Biff. And what his relative is asking is, I want you to let me off the hook for her unkind behavior and her attitude toward me, Biff says, and the many cruel and untrue things that she has done behind my back to other family members. My relative never asks for forgiveness and only tells me that I need to understand her feelings. She is saying, you just need to overlook this. You need to ignore this. I will go on sinning against you with no consequence whatsoever. Biff asks, am I wrong to stay my distance and, and set some boundaries? 
And so that's the full question. And as you can see, it is multi-layered. You have a sinner and you have someone that's being sinned against. And the sinner is gaslighting Biff, saying you should overlook it. Now, Biff is asking two big questions here. Am I to forgive her? And then the other question is, should I just build a wall? Should I just set some boundaries? And so there's some complication here, and I want to work through it. But let me ask you this. What would you say to Biff? Have you ever encountered a situation like this? Do you have that troubling relative or friend? If you do, or if you did, how did you handle it? So again, you can go to lifeovercoffee.com. Look for this article, Am I to Forgive Someone Who Is Not Asking? Let me jump into it. There's two parts that I want to share with you. The first part is a pre-confrontation. I want to talk about Biff because you don't want to correct someone. You don't want to step into the situation until you're very clear on where you are with your heart and the direction that you're going to go and the method that you're going to employ. And so the first part of what I want to share with you is going to cover Biff's heart, number one, Biff's goal, where he wants to go in this situation, and then Biff's methodology. What is the method that he's going to employ? And then I want to get into the sloppiness of what's going on in this relationship, the gaslighting relative. And Biff is flummoxed here and thinking, maybe I should forgive her or maybe I should build a wall. What should I do with this woman who is harassing me? But before I get into that, Biff's heart, Biff's goal, and Biff's method. And so with Biff's heart, with his multi-layered question, what I want to do is the first place to begin, basically, with biblical forgiveness or whatever this is, is always with our hearts before we start trying to figure out what is happening with the other person. And so the go-to text when it comes to examining our hearts and having a humble self-assessment is Matthew 7, 3, 4, and 5, where Jesus is saying that, that you need to address the log in your eye before you go speck fishing. And the purpose of this passage is to help us to carefully reconstruct biblical thinking, specifically how to think about ourselves before we engage the troubling soul in our life. If our first thought has, to, has something to do with the log that is in their eye rather than this timber that is in our eye, then we need to start over by reorienting our minds to what Jesus is teaching in that text. I like to say it this way. No matter, no matter what someone has done to me, it does not compare with what I have done to my Lord. And if that kind of soul-leveling, Christ-crossed-exalting perspective is our point of departure, then we will be free and clear to think redemptively about the other person who's creating so many complications. This teaching here in Matthew is always imperative, but typically intensifies when discussing forgiveness with troubling relatives or friends. And so with our hearts humbled by the gospel, our compassion for the troublesome relative 
is the next thing to assess. Our pity for a difficult person will be different from those who are easier to love, so that's why it's essential that we jumpstart our hearts so we're moving toward genuine compassion for the difficult person. If we do not do this, It would be wise to withhold our correction until our hearts experience gospel recalibration. And that's why, before I get into all the manipulative stuff that's going on with a relative, we always have to start with ourselves, and thus I'm beginning with Biff's heart, making sure that he's recalibrated by understanding that he is the foremost sinner because what he has done to his Lord is far different not uh, not significant in comparison as far as what his relative is doing to him. And so examining Biff's heart. Number two, Biff's goal. As we continue to assess ourselves, we want to now add to that. We want to add to Matthew 7, verses 3, 4, and 5, Romans 12, 18, where Paul said, So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, as much as it depends on you. And so we are on a peacemaking mission. That was the Lord's objective with us, to remove the hostility between Him and us so that we could experience reconciliation. A similar kind of Christ-like example should be what we have in mind with our relatives and our friends. We want to do everything that we can to be at peace with them, everything that depends upon us. And of course, there's an implication inside that sentence that Paul was giving us in 1218, that it not only applies to us, but there's a requirement on them too, which means we might not be at peace with them if they do not do their part because we can only do what depends on us, meaning we're going to leave some things on the table, and if they don't address those things, then there could be always a fracture in the relationship. And so as you think about Bill's heart and Bill's goal, here are two questions about his heart. Do you view yourself as the foremost sinner in all relationships, as Paul considered himself in 1 Timothy 1.15? And then Biff's goal, do you hope to bring peace to a challenging relationship as much as depends on you? And now number three, let's take a look at Biff's method. In Romans 2, 4, Paul said, Do you presume, do you take for granted on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? He's asking a rhetorical question here. You could state Paul's question this way. Don't you know that the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, they lead to the change that you hope for in your relatives and your friends? He reminds us how God brought us to a place of change, which Biff hopes will happen to his relative as he cooperates with the Lord as much as depends upon him in this redemptive possibility. This gospel-centered, 
or God-centered rather, this God-centered, gospel-empowered approach is what we should be modeling and delivering to our stubborn and undeserving friends because we used to be that undeserving person as God exemplified, manifested, provided His kindness to us which motivated us into transformation. If you are kind and patient, of course, they may not change. But that is not, that is not our pay level. I, the outcome is not our responsibility. Our job is to water and plant, and we water with kindness and patience and forbearance. Our job is to do as much as depends upon us while resting in the truth that we cannot provide or manipulate repentance into anyone. What we are responsible for is how we approach people. We are not biblically permitted to engage anyone with a sinful attitude. Christ died on the cross, and we will have to die too, which is our best shot at cooperating with God in people's restoration. And so in this pre-analysis, this pre-confrontation analysis, I've talked about heart, goal, and method. Let me quickly walk through all three. Heart, you realize you have the log in your eye and they have specks in theirs. Goal, you hope to be at peace with others so far as it depends on you. Method, your approach looks like kindness forbearance, and patience. Now, I haven't answered the question that Biff is asking. Am I to forgive someone who is not asking me to forgive them and they just keep sinning against me? Or should I just build a wall and establish boundaries? And so now let's get into the heart of what he asked me after we have analyzed our pre-confrontation analysis. I addressed his heart and goal and method because I've seen too many times when Christians have confronted people without considering a careful pre-confrontation analysis of their hearts. As to Biff's questions about should I forgive her, I'm not aware of any teaching in the Bible that appeals to us to release someone from their sin when they are not asking God and they're also not asking Biff. I'm not aware of any teaching of the Bible that says you can forgive them. You can't release someone from their sin if they are not asking you to release them from their sin, and Biff's relative is not asking. Forgiveness, asking, granting, receiving, that is a transactional process of letting a person's sin go after they have asked for forgiveness from their sin. In a forgiveness context, the sinning person understands that there is a debt that someone's got to pay, and they know that someone must pay for it. This concept of forgiveness is a significant plank in the gospel platform. Christ died for our sins, and we must ask him to forgive us to be free from our sins. A just God sets the standard. We agree 
with his rule. And when we cross the line of his standard, that is a transgression. We ask him to forgive us. We acknowledge our wrongs, which is our agreement with the standard. Our confession is our agreement with the standard. And we seek forgiveness from God to be justified, forensically, legally cleansed because we ask the judge of the universe to release us from our sin based on the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ. Am I to forgive someone who is not asking? Well, forgiveness without God involved is not forgiveness at all. God is the only person who can release anyone from their sins, and He will not do this unless we ask Him through genuine repentance. And based on what Biff is saying here, there is not genuineness at all in what his relative is doing and saying to him. And so, no, Biff cannot release her. Am I to forgive someone who is not asking? No. That would be similar to a victim, Biff, releasing the culprit, relative of a crime, while the judge is never part of the process. The criminal must have her day in court. If she genuinely engaged God and he forgave her legally, I actually don't think that she would be doing all this, all these shenanigans, hiding, ignoring, excusing her sins to Biff. She wouldn't be doing that at all if the judge has imposed himself on her soul and released her because she genuinely asked. That doesn't make biblical sense for her to be doing what she's doing. And if God did forgive her, she would not only need to come to Biff so that he could forgive her, but she would want to come to Biff. Not for forensic cleansing, God would do that, but for relational reconciliation. That's what she would be after if this was a genuine forgiveness construct, but it is not. What Biff is describing is not biblical forgiveness, but it's more about relational manipulation. Without God's forgiveness, it is the equivalent of of Biff standing on the street corner, just waving his wand over folks, including his relative as they pass by. Biff is just releasing them willy-nilly from their sins. In such a scene as that, they could be forgiven of anything, regardless of whether they ask God for such mercy. And anyone could do it. Anyone could forgive anybody based on what his relative is trying to to do to him. They would not even have to know what Biff was doing to them. Freedom from sin without asking for freedom from sin or knowing about freedom from sin, that is a sloppy theology, and it renders the death of Christ meaningless. If we could release people willy-nilly from their sins without going through the proper channels of atonement, there would be no need for Christ's death or his life or his resurrection or his ascension or his mediation. Each of us is without excuse for our sins, and we will be held accountable for our sins. And the only way we can experience release from our sins is by genuinely asking God to forgive us. Biff, you cannot do this. How many times have you sinned against someone and ask them to forgive you on the horizontal plane, but you did not ask God to forgive you on the vertical plane. I've done this, may or may not have been many times. 
And while I can somewhat clear up the relational breakdown between another person and me, there is still an offense against God because I have not asked him to forgive me. All sin is against God, and there are no exceptions to this rule. Biff's relative is in a more profound entanglement than she realizes. And this kind of biblical reasoning is the approach that I recommend that Biff prays about until it is clear to him. I mean, maybe the Lord will give her favor by releasing her captivated soul. Her problem has to do more with God than with him. She needs to have a clearer understanding of biblical forgiveness. Sometimes Christian people play the forgiveness card like a a wild card in a game. They throw it down whenever they like to fix a problem. It becomes their get-out-of-jail-free card without doing the biblical heavy lifting with God. For some, it's a a weak, non-sustainable attempt at relational damage control rather than redemptive freedom from God. Asking for forgiveness may sound better than an apology, but if it begins and ends with the offended human while never seeing the divine judge, it is forensic impotence. And so Biff is trying to figure out how to have a a relationship with his manipulating relative. And that's why he has lost his theological bearings here. And he's asking, am I to forgive someone who is not asking? No, it's a definitive no. You can't do that. And what your relative is trying to do is to gaslight you and to manipulate you. They want you to succumb to a horizontal kind of conflict resolution that that is outside of the purview of the divine judge. No, you can't do that, Biff, and you can't succumb to that kind of manipulation, and you need to pray that God would just break in to your conniving relative's heart so that she sees the light of day and recognizing that she is just a manipulator who's trying to excuse or accuse her sin on someone else. But no, she needs to have her day in court, and she needs to be set free. Granting forgiveness to a non-asking person is a grace mistake. Some people call this extending grace, a, a way of being nice while not serving the person who is in sin's clutches like this relative. Grace extenders do the gospel a disservice by muting its efficacy. And Biff is thinking here, should I just, should I just forgive someone that is not asking? It's like extending grace to the person who is transgressing God's law. Biff's relative is minimizing her sin while asking him to ignore her sin, to, to extend grace. And that is dangerous. The question Biff will have to ask himself is whether he is the person who needs to bring her conniving ways to the light of day, which leads to the boundary question that he is asking. Now, I am not fond of the standard connotation that some folks upload into this boundary idea. I don't like the boundary language, don't like the boundary word, because I've seen it mishandled and misused more times than not. In fact, in almost all cases, when a person talks about boundaries, they are not thinking redemptively, meaning they are not thinking like the gospel about the other person. 
Rather than discussing borders and walls and boundaries, it would be better to frame the question differently. Not should I establish boundaries? Here's a better question. What is the most effective way I can love her? rather than the most effective way I can construct a wall between us. Now, she may rebuff a redemptive approach. I would imagine that that is exactly what she's going to do, but Biff has to do everything that is dependent upon him, and the first call to action is not to build a wall. The first call to action is how to be Jesus to her. And so we want to talk Biff through recognizing that she's probably going to rebuff his redemptive approach, leaving him with no other option but a need to rebuke her maybe. He may have to confront her. Perhaps he will need to separate from her. But all of those things, a rebuke or confrontation or separation, they fit within a redemptive worldview. Sometimes the most redemptive thing you can do is rebuke, to confront, or possibly separate. If there are boundaries, however, Biff should let her set those boundaries after he pursues her redemptively. I've titled this, Am I to Forgive Someone Who Is Not Asking? You can read everything that I just shared with you at lifeovercoffee.com. Look for that title. You can type some version of it in the search box and you will find it so that you can read, watch, or listen Now, I want to wrap up with a few questions for Biff, asking him to take these questions to the Lord. And if you are in a similar spot, would you consider these questions as well? Would you ask the Spirit of God to illuminate your mind by bringing you the answers that you need for the clarity that you must have, the detail that is essential so that you can interact with that tough person in your life? And so here is question number one. Do you consider yourself a bigger sinner than others? Now, an effective way to answer this question is by examining how you think about how you talk about other people. I really don't want to gloss over this point. It is so essential because we can be so dialed in and fixated on what a knuckleheaded relative is doing that their sin could be so much bigger than ours, our sin against God. And when our sin against God becomes smallish and their sin against us becomes large, well, we're going to have the log and the speck reversed, and anything that we say and do to that person is going to fail the smell test. We're going to mess it up. And so what you want to do is to examine, how do you think about this troubling relative? How do you talk about this difficult person? Those, your thoughts and your words will give you a clue to my question. Do you consider yourself a bigger sinner than others. Number two, is your primary goal for the troubling people in your life to have a great relationship with Christ? Is that your primary goal? I trust that it is. This objective should be our goal with every person in our life, not just the easy to get along with people, but also the troubling people in our life as well. So I've addressed the heart, the biggest center. I address the goal. We need to get everybody to Jesus Number three, if that is your goal, what are you doing that is helping or hindering the process? That's the method question. What are you doing? Question number four, are you approaching others with a heart of kindness, forbearance, patience? 
How do you need to talk to God about your heart toward other people? Maybe this would be a good time to think about a troubling person in your life. How do you talk to God about them? In your prayer closet, on your knees, or as you walk around the block, it doesn't matter. But when you talk to God, what is the content of your prayers which will about troubling people, which will reveal uh, your heart toward them? And you might not be approaching them with a heart of kindness, forbearance, and patience as you examine your prayers about them. Question five, are you the one who is in the best position to clean up a person's sloppy forgiveness worldview? which is the case of Biff's relative. She seems comfortable perpetuating this, you just need to ignore it, you need to consider my feelings, I'm going to continue to do what I want to do, I'm not asking you forgiveness, I'm not asking God for forgiveness either. Okay, that is the situation. And you have to ask the question, are you the person who should do this? Or maybe you should have someone intervene with this person if you can't overlook what is happening here. Again, I've titled this, Am I to Forgive Someone Who Is Not Asking? Let me hit a couple of miscellaneous points and then I'll be through. Biff's relative reminds me of the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus asking him to justify or to ignore his sins, and that's what Bill's relative is doing. Jesus was in the best position to respond to him, and he did respond to him. He didn't build a wall. He did not erect a boundary. No, actually, he confronted him and rebuked him. And so I would recommend that Bill pray about doing this for her. Like the rich young man, there is a good chance that she will walk away that she will end the relationship, but he will be redemptive. He will not be boundary setting. Jesus did not erect a wall. The rich young ruler did. No, Jesus loved him, and so he gave him exactly what he needed in the moment, which was a confrontation. Let her set the boundary. Now, if Bill's heart is right with God, and he has and God has given Biff compassion for his relative, it would be unloving not to confront her. He needs to confront her if his heart is right with God and he has compassion for her. What he describes is no different from almost any other relational situation where one person asks another person to ignore their sin. Have you been in a place like that? where they're just saying, hey, you just need to ignore my sin, in this case, my sin against you. Does Biff love her enough to tell her the truth lovingly? As you think about that question, consider two possible hindrances that could tempt us not to go forward in loving confrontation. One is, if I confront her, she will reject me or become angry with me. This is part of the cancel culture. Uh, there are a lot of people that do not speak up because they are afraid of being rejected or being canceled. And the other hindrance is, if I confront her, Will I lose the relationship? Now, both of these questions are tied to fear of man. And so you want to make sure that you mortify fear of man in your life as you think about this troubling person in your life. Also, forgiveness between two parties must be transactional. And Biff is forgetting this at that moment, at this moment. Am I to forgive her? No, you can't. 
because she's not asking you for forgiveness. Forgiveness between two parties must be transactional, whether it's transactional with God or transactional with another person. Both sides must be biblically engaged with each other, humbly seeking, humbly granting forgiveness. There is a chance Biff's relative will never humbly and genuinely seek his forgiveness. Now, if that happens, it will never be transactional. And she will never experience forgiveness from God or forgiveness from Biff. However, Biff's forgiveness can be attitudinal. Attitudinal forgiveness deals with, with his heart not hers. Attitudinal forgiveness deals with his heart as he thinks about her. It also deals with how he's going to relate to her and how he's going to relate to the Lord about her. His attitude toward her must be free from her sin. Regardless of what she does, he can be free from her shenanigans in a similar way in which Jesus was free from sin when he thought about those who hurt him. Many people hurt Christ, but he was not managed by what they did to him because he had a heart of forgiveness toward them. And so the real question is for Biff, what depends on you, Biff, regarding this relationship with this troubling relative? And whatever it is that depends upon you, that is what you must do. Am I to forgive someone who is not asking? That is the question. I have walked through it carefully. You can read every word of it and go to our website. We have tons more resources on conflict resolution, forgiveness, and dealing with relatives, dealing with friends, and also Uh, things that will impact our own hearts as we try to mature and grow closer to God. And sometimes the good Lord will use these aggravating people in our lives to mature us and to draw us closer to Him. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.